Um, I think self-love and self-care is getting a lot of run right now, which is great. And at the same time, I don't want to lose sight of the power of community for our own healing uh, and for our own self-love and self-care. And oftentimes the two can go hand in hand. Welcome to a movement of kindness and empathy. You're listening to Compassionate Las Vegas, the podcast. Embarking on a mission to unite our city under the banner of compassion, we're one among 440 cities around the globe standing together to build a more compassionate world. Now introducing the man leading the charge, your host, Will Rucker. Welcome to Compassionate Las Vegas, the podcast. I'm Will Rucker, and I'm so glad that you've joined for today's program. We're talking about the Jeremiah program and its impacts, its transformational impacts on our community, on our state, our nation, and ultimately the world. So I don't want to delay at all. I want to get right into this because we've got a lot to talk about. So welcome to the program, Maria. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hi, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. I'm so glad that we were able to connect and I'm looking forward to your upcoming event, which we'll talk about in just a bit. But for those that may not be familiar with you or with this amazing, important program, would you please share a little bit about your background and just paint us a picture about what the Jeremiah program All is? Right. Thank you for that. Uh, so I'm Maria Tucker. I have been in the role as executive director of Jeremiah program for the last year. We've been standing up Jeremiah program here in Vegas for just that amount of time. Uh, and although Jeremiah program has been around for 25 years, um, we call ourselves JP. Uh, JP started to um, do a market analysis a few years back. And I'm looking at rates of poverty, rates of um, of, of childcare, um, childcare possibilities, housing issues, and um, also comparable organizations in different cities. And so Las Vegas was a good fit for us. Um, and so we launched just a year ago. We are now in nine cities, and uh, yeah, with with Vegas being our eighth, and um, and Baltimore being our ninth. So we're excited to be here. We work with single moms and their kids to disrupt the cycle of poverty two generations at a time, and our primary lever is education. So we partner moms with a coach who is her supporter and advocate. Um, and who we, we start with the notion that moms are the architects of their own solution and that they do have the power within them to, in our case, get a college degree and live a successful life. And so we foster that through our one-on-one -on -one coaching model. Wow. So, I mean, just in that, I have so many yeah. questions about the first one I want to know is, are you from Las Vegas or where are you originally Thank from? you. Thank you. So uh, I'm originally from California, from Southern California. I've been in Las Vegas for the last three years. My family has been up here for over 15 years. So I've had uh, quite a bit of um, experience coming back and forth and 
one of my sisters uh, was a single mom and uh, raised her three kids here in Las Vegas and um, worked with um, worked as a dealer in one of the casinos. So definitely knew um, what it was like to traverse the city as a single mom through the experiences of my sister and my nieces and nephew. So, um, so yeah, then I, I came to Vegas after over 25 years in higher education in administration. I was primarily in student affairs with um, a heavy emphasis on community programs. So I've stood up a center for community partnerships out of college and uh, we worked with 12 programs working on hunger and homelessness, uh, pre-college programs, environmental justice issues. Uh, so those were our primary focuses for that, that center. I immediately before coming to Vegas, I was in the country of Cambodia for three years and working to stand up with a, a group of folks impacted by deportation um, to stand travel company. And um, through that travel company, they worked on healing um, from their stories of forced migration and their, their family histories of forced migration. So, um, so yeah, so that was immediately before. Also in Cambodia, I was at a university as a director of student affairs, standing up various programs uh, and having a ton of fun with students who I still keep in touch with who are very excited about education. So there's a theme of education through my time before, during, and uh, before and during my time in Vegas. So, so yeah. Yeah. Education, entrepreneurship. Yes. Blazing. Uh, I mean, you, you have that woven throughout your entire journey. Yeah. So what would you say? like that fire that ignited within you that brought you the Jeremiah program in particular. Yeah. So when I was 19, well, I was pregnant um, and single and I um, gave birth to my son, Taj, who is now 33. Uh, I was at university at the time. I was an undergrad in Southern California and at that time, the university I was at reminded me a lot of what Nevada State is reminding me of now. It was on the edges. Um, it's in Riverside. It was the newest University of California campus at the time. It was small, like Nevada State is, and it was burgeoning with innovation. And my baby grew up, started growing up in that space. Um, and I went on to get a master's degree. And um, when Taj was eight, I put him in the backseat of my car and drove 2,200 miles to Ann Arbor, Michigan, a place I had never been, which I know is close to your heart. Um, well, yeah, yeah Southeast Michigan. <laughs> so we were there six years. So he was primarily raised um, in Ann Arbor with the, in his formative years and on campus. And that's where we built a village um, that was very good to him. And so when I think about Jeremiah program, moms and kids, I, I've walked the journey of transformation of generational change. I grew up, I was a first generation 
college students. I came from a very low-income background. I'm Chicana. Um, grew up in outside of LA, um, in an LA suburb, and um, education changed my life, and it changed trajectory of my child's life. His networks are far different from mine. Um, you know, at, at a very young age, they were far different from mine. Um, when when I was a kid, I could hardly see, as many of us, you know, hardly see outside of our neighborhood. And from a very young age, um, he he just had a very expanded um, notion of the world. And I think my education really provided that for him. And so that's what I think about when I think about JP kids, when I think about JP moms, um, you know, the, the ability to, to really engage the world, uh, and not, not simply, you know, getting a job. Of course, we're, we want, you know, the job and the career, but, you know, to live differently in the world, it, it, it's moved me to, to this. That's powerful. And it's nothing, I say there's nothing in the world like a mother's mm -hmm. love. And it, it's evident in your story and the, the way that you light up and talking about <laughs> that. Oh, so yeah, really heartwarming. Yeah. What I like to do to kind of set our tone for our conversation is, is define compassion. This is compassion. Yes. So find how you view compassion. Wow. Uh, so for me, I think first about love, um, uh, that compassion starts from, um, uh, from, from love, um, and, and people generally, um, have a romantic definition of love, whereas I think of it as fundamental to to our life and to our living um, and to foster um, compassion. It goes together with love. Um, and I think about uh, when, when I think about compassion, I think about um, community and collectiveness and regarding um, others as worthy and to have a sense of dignity um, and empowerment. I think of all those things as um, sort of like if compassion is the, the wheel, then the spokes are, you know, love and dignity, respect, empowerment, a sense of agency even, um, if you will as connected to compassion. Yeah, that sparks so much. And it, it's how we, as a, a network, kind of try to talk about compassion. Because sometimes people think of it as, oh, it's soft and mushy. Mm -hmm. And oh, that, that, that's just for other folks. Or yeah. the other side, oh, everybody's compassionate. We're all, you know, but I love that you incorporate the community aspect, the sense of agency, and I mean, love, yeah. love powerful force okay. and without it oh my god i could go on and on but was... <laughs> yes <laughs> me too me too 
Uh, I would add probably justice, you yes, know, absolutely. as tied to it. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the achievements. So we know that small victories lead to big changes. Amen. So can you share some moments in this one year, yeah. even, again, JP has made some strides in disrupting that cycle of power. We're, we're so excited for the warm welcome to Vegas, really. Um, so right now we're partnering with 150 moms and kids and, uh, our initial experience is a 12 week empowerment and leadership experience. So all of our moms, over 50 moms have gone through the empowerment and leadership experience. This is a virtual opportunity. It's 90 minutes once a week for 12 weeks. And what moms love about it, uh, there's several things. They miss it when it's over. Uh, one is that they connect with moms in all of our nine cities. So we're really leveraging the power of the network of single moms uh, who are across the country. Uh, and, uh, and a time, moms say, it's the only time in the week that's time for me. Like it's, that's, it's just my time. It's no one else's. So carving out that time really gets us, gets them focused on, you know, what do I want and discerning their own voice. And that's the idea of empowerment and leadership. Each mom has a journal that she does reflections in and shares some of those reflections with other moms. Um, we are also, um, doing mommy mingles every other week. Um, so mommy mingles online and in person. We haven't stood up our space yet, but we're working on a 5,000 square foot space in downtown Las Vegas. And so for now, we're using really great community resources that I, I'm just really thrilled for and I, I don't think get uplifted enough like the East Las Vegas Library, West Las Vegas Library, great folks who are just so earnest in their commitment to community um, and supporting us. So um, we we host our mommy mingles there. Um, we've also used Doolittle Community Center. So uh, yeah, it's been great. It's been a, a really warm welcome. So uh, once we get our space, I hope to continue to use our community resources, but also to use the, the space that we have. Um, so that's all been uh, part of our first year. We are also excited to just continue to recruit moms with our partner, Acelero. So Acelero Head Start is our primary partner. And so some moms... Um, come from having their kids in childcare at Asolero, any one of their 13 campuses, and also some of their staff. Um, so one of the exciting partnerships that we have with Asolero is that um, we have an ECE fellowship. So if moms are interested in early childhood education, getting an associate's or a bachelor's, at one of the local colleges, JP will pay for that. So for tuition and fees. So they become a JP mom, they're a single mom, 
have a child 10 or under, at least one child 10 or under, if they work for Asolero or if their child goes to Asolero, uh, we have a grant to fund an ECE fellowship for those moms. So right now we have six moms that are just starting with the ECE fellowship. And we have over 20 moms who have just enrolled um, either in CSN, um, in Nevada State, at UNLV, or um, one of the online colleges as well. So, yeah, so it's very, it's been very exciting to see moms light up into their, their, their dreams and to pick their head up from the day to day. Um, and, and on a personal note, Will, one of the unintended impacts for me, because you know we're always impacted by our community work. It's not a one-way street. And um, I, I've been honored to walk alongside them in this journey. Um, and it shows me who I am and who I've been. And, you know, you get to be a mom in, in this hamster wheel, right? And you just kind of go about your day. And it's just not really a big deal because you just do what you got to do. And that's what our JP moms are doing right now. But what they're also doing is showing me who I am. And it's, it's, it's been incredible. <laughs> I'm really grateful. <laughs> yeah, that's powerful. Seeing yourself uh, is so, so key. When we come back, I want to talk about the stigma associated with being a single mom and how JP is addressing that and being with self-esteem and empowerment and all of that for the many, many families that you're serving. So when we come back, we'll hear about All right. That. Sounds good. Treat others how you'd like to be treated. And that's the golden rule. Camp Anytown has taught me that knowledge is power. And if I utilize my voice, I can make a difference in the world, no matter how big or small. I learned that as long as we stand together, we can accomplish so much more. What Camp Anytown has taught me is that I am not crazy to think I can change the world. I'm crazy if I think I can do it alone. Camp Anytown has taught me that just because I'm different does not mean I don't belong. I learned at Camp Anytown to be more compassionate because you never know what somebody else is going through. Camp Anytown is a no-cost youth leadership camp that trains high school students in diversity, community, and inclusivity. When you choose the Golden Rule license plate, you play a part in a local camp that helps shape a better tomorrow. Learn more at dmvnv.com. This is Compassionate Las Vegas, the podcast. I'm Will Rucker, and joining me today is Maria Tucker from the Jeremiah Program. Let's dive right back in. Before the break, we were talking a bit about stigma and how there could be a bit of just challenge associated with being a single mom. So how do you and your program address that? Mm -hmm. It's a great question. Well, we lean right into it. And so as part of our empowerment and leadership program, we um, talk about as part of um, one of our sessions and talk about mom's experiences as part of their, their empowerment and leadership. And it's been incredible to hear 
the reflections on that, um, reflections from moms on um, their experience. So they've become single moms in a lot of different ways. Um, their trajectories are all very different. There's diversity in those journeys, right? <laughs> so um, so moms who, um, and young moms who've been older, single moms through divorce, through being a widow, and all of them had talked about the shame, the difficulty, and even talking about their pregnancies, some of them, about sharing their pregnancies with family members and with friends because of the deep um, shame around it. So what is it that we do? We give it space. Number one, we give space to feel and space to heal from from the 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 stigma and the shame uh and what that looks like initially is in empowerment and leadership and then we continue to foster a sense of agency um through our mommy angles so we're doing intentional community development activities um we're also focused on an assets-based approach to coaching so you know that manifests you know individually one-on-one as well as in our community exercises yeah, you're talking my language there because that's what I love. I'm, oh, my goodness. If you had a billboard that you knew the whole world would see and put anything, any message on that billboard, what would it be? For JP specifically? Let's start there, but I'm also curious, what would it be for you personally? Yes. Um, gosh. Where I'm sitting right right now, I think um, I would want to emphasize, I'm going to go generally first, um, something around community love um, and, as parallel to self-love. Um, I think self-love and self-care is getting a lot of run right now, which is great. And at the same time, I don't want to lose sight of the power of community for our own healing uh, and for our own self-love and self-care. Then oftentimes the two can go hand in hand um, if, if, we, if we have our boundaries um, and, you know, we know. Yeah, so it, it would be something around... Um, Community love is as powerful as and self love, something like that. And we're fostering both yeah. in JP. So, yeah, that's definitely. And I want listeners and viewers to just take a moment on your social media and post that <laughs> because I do want to make this a billboard. That is one of the areas that I am most passionate about. I think self love is so important. And I recognize mm -hmm. how many people really are struggling to love themselves. Mm -hmm. And being along with that is we forget the impact of community and our interconnectedness. Mm -hmm. And so I always tell folks, include yourself in your care of others. Mm -hmm. Because if we, I don't want to put myself, myself first. I want to put myself central. Yep. What I'm able to do out of that, it, I fill my cup, yes. But I, I'm, I'm not robbing anyone else. It's not a win-lose situation. Absolutely. Thank that. you. Yeah. 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 And I, I like that being the spoken wheel. Right. So 
were central to our, our lives, um, not necessarily first, right? And, you know, yeah, thank you. And so for JP, what would the message yeah, be? Yeah, for JP, um, I have a bottle here, I don't know, if, uh, it says, imagine what oh, could happen cute. in a generation. And it's yeah. one of our taglines. Um, yeah, so uh, completely transformative opportunities and and um, uh, transformation can come, you know, through that through that um, that work that mom does um, and that commitment to her own journey and to the journey of her children. And we can change a generation. Um, my 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 son ended up because of an incredible village committed to his success um he ended up and because of his own commitment to himself and to to us as a family um he ended up at harvard and at undergrad and i never knew anyone that had gone to harvard before like i didn't and I never knew a Harvard kid. I just, I thought they were like kind of for other people, uh, <laughs> that it wasn't for our family. And I never thought in a million years when I was there considering my pregnancy that my child would be in that space. And I know that that kind of change in a generation can happen for our JP moms and their kids. Um, however, however small or large it is, um, that disruption of poverty can happen. I've walked it. Um, so he, he's, um, he's an attorney now. Um, and the first attorney he ever met in his life was one of my best friends at Michigan who became, she was at the law school, also a single mom. Um, had her baby at 15 and is this incredible attorney. And that was the first attorney he knew. So, yeah. You know, that, that is a great billboard. Imagine what can happen in a generation. Yeah. That is, I mean, if we just dare to dream. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Amen. there really is nothing outside of the realm of possibility. Yeah. And I, I think now the way that we're filming this podcast, yeah. I mean, thought we could be in different places yeah. and across and, and still be connected in this right way. right right so truly yeah i mean we, we can we don't even know the possibilities at this point and i do see our jp families uh leaning into some of those um those new ways of, of doing and being uh, i think about some of their stories already right and even in a year the ones who were part of that um, trailblazing cohort of 14 moms. They didn't know who we were and they went for it, you know, and they jumped right in. And um, just thinking about their own transformation. So I think about one of our moms who was so shook by some trauma, trauma and traumatic experiences she had just experienced within six months of coming to us. And her own um, finding her voice and going from really having difficulty putting thoughts together to 
being able to lead, to being able to speak in front of a camera and completely leaning into this whole process. She's already started college now. She started in the summer. Um, she talks about her son who's reading two grade levels above his grade now. And we have a tutoring, online tutoring um, program that we do with our JP kids. And so they do baseline data. And so he's just been kicking butt and she just talks about he's going to take over the world he's going to run the world <laughs> it's so awesome like you said well a mother's love it's it's powerful yeah yeah and and the mother's faith I, my mom is definitely my biggest cheerleader and she always has been and she embarrasses me a little bit because and what she talks about when when we're out together, she's like, yeah, and my son, and she's just proud. And honestly, it doesn't matter what I do. <laughs> like, it, it could be, I could be president or I could have put together a Play-Doh statue. Like, it doesn't well, matter. I'm going to be ecstatic about it. So, oh I, I really Oh, my gosh. Love. That resonates. <laughs> I'm sure I embarrassed yeah. my child. <laughs> yeah, but it's that because that, that support, does when it when it gets hard when i do hear those doors or see those doors close or someone says no to an idea i can always go back and say well my mom believes in it yeah man that's right yeah and yeah raises my yeah absolutely so i want to talk about sustainability because this program clearly is expanding and it's important it's, it's filling a critical gap in our communities what are you doing to ensure that these these roots go deep and this continues to exist for generations. To come. Yeah. Thank you so much. That's a great question as well. Uh, so we are looking for doers, donors, and door openers. And um, mm -hmm. so doers um, in terms of um, we have what is called the career volunteer mentor program. So we're um, just launching another round of that. So we're starting to, um, look for our next round of mentors and build locally that group of professionals. They can go right onto our website and find the Career Volunteer Mentor Program and register to be a mentor. Um, so those are doers. And we have uh, networks already in our other um, geographic, uh, in, in our other cities. Uh, so we're just building our Las Vegas group of professionals that can be part of our, we call for short, CVMP. Um, okay. Is professional or are you looking for moms in particular? Uh, we are looking for any professional. Um, so it could be any gender, um, any industry, um, even early as well as seasoned professionals, retirees. And it's a very defined opportunity. So it's for, um, it's five meetings with NAM. And there's um, focus on a LinkedIn profile, creating a LinkedIn profile together, creating a resume together if mom still needs that. And, and then if mom and the mentor want to continue the relationship, they, they can do that. Um, but we, we have a very structured program so that everyone benefits from it. Um, and, um, as well, we're looking for donors. And so we've been cultivating, um, relationships locally, but also 
um, I'm looking at and and our grants. Um, we have folks who support us nationally on grants. Um, they've been working with national organizations as well to support us. And Jeremiah program had already set out funds for us so that we could get, you know, get our roots in the, in the ground here uh, steadily for the first year. So, um, and then door openers, of course, we know that relationships and connections can really help um, put us together with folks who are aligned with the mission. So who are interested, I always think about philanthropy as being a space where we help each other realize each other's vision. So folks who are philanthropists, you know, they have their vision of what they want to give and um, what kind of transformation they'd like to see. So I would love to be put in touch with folks who are interested in disrupting poverty, interested in women's issues and women's empowerment. Um, interested in youth development as well. Um, so yeah, doers, donors, and door openers. And I That's feel, fantastic. Yeah. If you remember, and it, it catches you, so um, hopefully the program will open some doors for you. Uh, folks across the globe do tune in. And so everyone has a mom. Yeah. And Nate was a lot of folks. Yeah. So I've got one question before we wrap up here. It's really around the feedback loop of poverty. Mm -hmm. This, what would you want folks to know uh, in regards to it, it, taking the responsibility away from the individual alone and recognize some of those systemic structures that reinforce uh, this situation? So what would you share about yeah, that? Yeah, thank you so much. It's a great question. I'm a sociologist by training. Well, we didn't talk about that part, but yes. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, we think about the feminization of poverty and the racialization of poverty, right? And those structures that we can go back literally centuries and um, see the impact of um, of legislation and policy and culture and the society on particularly women of color, and we think about. Um, women of color uh, who become single moms. And, and there's a book, uh, Poverty by America, um, that really lays this out uh, very clearly uh, that our moms exist, you know, in a system of the feminization of poverty, that women get paid less. Um, uh, the outcomes for kids who are... Um, with moms, only moms are much more challenging than um, than than two parent families, for example, because of the feminization of poverty. Uh, it, even locally, one of the challenges that we talked about, um, we all know that childcare um, is typically the burden of women, and in our case, always our single moms. And there's just not enough options for a particularly young kids to be in childcare. And so it's this system that's been set up that's had its own limitations, often disallows full-time work or puts challenges and barriers to full-time work, um, as well as, you know, 
uh, when we talk about our economic system and um, the and the current inflation with policies that have pulled back funding um, for um, for food, for example, a, a lot of our moms were impacted by that. Um, things are even around health um, that that have been you know rolled back um, benefits around health such as um, the the Medicaid uh, reapplication process and folks just not knowing about that and so now some you know going out going without health care or having to scramble to to get back in the system so we exist in you know this economic system this system that has feminized poverty, this um, system, um, uh, uh, this health system that's also uh, put up barriers and challenges for our moms. Um, so, so we know that um, policy is really critically important. So part of what we do on our community board of trustees is we have a policy um, subsection. So we've been following childcare policy, even financial aid policy, and locally we're following housing policy. Um, so that that can be part of our disruption of poverty, that we're doing it on a systemic level, not simply on the one-on-one -on -one in the community level, but that we become advocates for um, disrupting poverty uh, on a policy basis. Yeah, that policy piece is so important. And one of the things that, well, well first, let me just, you know, preface it by saying, I think that Nevada is very uniquely blessed yes, with some, because we have incredible advocates. We have a female majority in our legislature. Yeah. We do things a little different yeah. here. <laughs> and Unfortunately, even with a female majority, and this year our, our Senate leader actually literally had a kid during session, we still did not address. Her. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot that happened for sure, right? There was a lot of good things that happened. It was just, uh, you know, not everything we needed, you know? Yeah. Uh, we do a letter well, writing campaign every year, so it was... Um, wonderful to get Erica Moska's uh, handwritten. Oh, look at that. Oh, that's one of my favorites. She oh, she's amazing. Yeah. So, so next session, we'll even be more prepared. So we were just getting our feet under us this session, um, but we'll continue to to do some work locally. And um, in terms of our our board, I'm really thrilled. Uh, Miles Dixon from the Grant Lab, Nevada Grant Lab, has joined us. Nancy Brown, City Councilwoman, um, has joined us as well. And Vice President Edith Fernandez at Nevada State has joined us. <clears throat> um, and then, of course, our current chair is Gar Jamison, our inaugural chair, so from Truth Hashin of Las Vegas. So um, we have a a lot of advocates, um, folks who really align with the mission uh, and are interested in disrupting poverty. So, Great. And that that's a powerhouse. Yeah, board, so thank I'm, you. I'm, <laughs> I'm appreciative. I want to make sure that folks hear about this Voices Rising. Tell us. More. Yeah. So Voices Rising will be Friday, September 8th at the Las Vegas Country Club. 
6 p.m. We ask that folks uh, find the link on our um, on our page um, and RSVP. There's no fee for the ticket, but we ask that you RSVP. We're going to be honoring two incredible women, two incredible leaders, um, 97-year-old Helen Tolan, who um, was a trailblazer, educator, leader, um, and ha now has a school named after her, was the first Black woman principal of an elementary school in um, Clark County Schools. And uh, we'll be honoring her with a Pillar of the Community Award. And our second honoree is President Darian Pollard over at Nevada State, now University. And uh, yeah. we will be honoring her with our Champion for Change Award. Um, I'm just so grateful that both of them um, agreed and that we could spotlight the work that both of them have done and are continuing to do in our community. Um, and then it'll also be a time to hear stories of our JP moms, our inspiring JP moms and their kids. So I'm thrilled to do that. And of course, we'll have um, share some food and beverage as well as part of a Friday evening. It's uh, a short uh, time together. It'll just be a quick um, happy hour vibe uh, that, that we're going to have on that Friday evening. September 8th at 6 p.m. at the Las Vegas Country Club. Awesome. And what's the web address where they can go to, to find out? Oh, that's, that's a great question. Um, so if you go to um, just jeremiahprogram.org um, and search for Las Vegas Voices Rising, that's probably the easiest way to find us. Um, and I can also send you the link, Will, and you can feel free to post um, wherever you find um, useful. Absolutely. Well, it will be in the description for this program, and also we'll make sure we share it on our social as well. Awesome. That's great. Well, to close us out, just what's one shimmering message of hope you'd like our viewers to carry parts of the Jeremiah program? Oh, yeah. I think one of the things I've learned um, over the last decade of my life is um, just uh, bit by bit, one step at a time, one step at a time. And those, those steps turn into our journey, our legacy. Um, and so do, do what's inspiring, moving, fulfilling for you? What brings joy um, to, to you, even when it's hard? Um, I have two uh, God children who are here in Las Vegas, uh, Zora and Zion, and they have introduced me to Daniel Tiger. They're th almost three years old. And Daniel Tiger has some wisdom. He talks about how you can hold two feelings at the same time. You can be happy and you can be sad and we can be in this work and be hopeful and still hold, um, hold joy and sorrow at the same time. Right. Um, and, and that's, that's been my truth. And, um, for the last many, many years, and, and that's how I try to approach, um, transformation 
in our communities um, alongside folks. Yeah. Well, Maria, thank you so much for joining us on Compassionate Las Vegas podcast. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure. I'm looking forward to the Voices Rising event on the 8th of September and uh, honoring those incredible women uh, as part of that. And to our viewers, thank you for continuing to tune in and to listen. Hopefully we are bringing you exactly what we promised, which is hope and inspiration. Mm -hmm. This has been Compassionate Las Vegas, the podcast. I'm Will Rucker. And as I always remind you, you are not just a drop in the ocean. You are the entire ocean in a drop. And what you do matters. So look compassionate. I'll see you next week.